This week's episode is brought to you by the Film Rescue Show. The Film Rescue Show is a long-form podcast in which their crew and a guest fix a film every week. Want a good first episode? Check out episode 89 with Axel and myself, where he pitched fixes for the League of Extraordinary Drummond. Still waiting on that call, Warner Brothers. For fans of filmmaking, writing, and behind-the-scenes content, check out the Film Rescue Show on all your favorite podcasting sites today. Hello and welcome to Geeks of Grimdark, your home for everything Warhammer, be they elves or Eldar, space marines or stormcast, we've got you covered. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich, and with me as always is... Brother Axel Wright. How goes it? Uh, stressfully. <laughs> <laughs> I am very busy and I've got a lot going on and finding time to get everything done is proving to be extremely difficult currently. How are you? Um overall pretty good i got my second covid dose and thought i died and then it turns out i didn't so i'm officially immune nice. no yeah, I, get, yet. I get mine uh i get my next thursday so your first or your second be prepared man it's an ass kicker all right i'll probably take off that friday or something then anyway we're not here to talk about the darkness of the real world we're here to talk about the grim darkness of the distant future so before we get <laughs> into that i believe yeah. we have a patron sound off we do these are the people that you know, liked us, gave us money, and enabled us to start this whole other podcast is talking about anything we can put under the banner of Warhammer. And they are Pam Galley, Marky, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brendan Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit, Kenny Solomansky, Seth Decker, Jesse Johnson, and Donald Lucy. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious legion, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash Geeks of Shield. 25 cents an episode gets you early access to all our content. Now, because this is a Geeks of Grimdark episode, as always, we have a guest, but in this case, we actually have two guests. So before we get into our topic for the day, uh, feel free to introduce yourselves. Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> my my name is Scott Rubin. I'm a geek of many flags and, and variations. I love toys. I love uh, ancient mythology. I love Warhammer. Uh, I wrote a book. Uh, naming your little geek about if you're a geek, you can name your kids after geek characters that have been in things. Uh, and I'm very excited to be here and talk more Warhammer today. And uh, I'm Burt Jennings. I'm uh, also a, a big, big nerd. I wouldn't even say I had a heart. I'd say there's a little heart in there somewhere. It's all surrounded by nerd. And uh, yeah, I like Star Wars. Did a, a Star Wars RPG called Pencils and Parsecs. Uh, I love Warhammer. And uh, I love sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. All right. So we know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wow, they got they got some they got big name guests. What are they talking about? And so we're, uh, doing, we're just in a new format. Yeah, we're doing something special today, something we haven't done before, which is I mean, we always do open ended conversations, but we're doing something even more open ended because normally we have like a topic that's usually an army or a question that we can peruse that is related to some like big event. We have a much more simple question and a topic revolved around that one question, which is are Space Marines good guys within the Warhammer universe? Yes. Let's let's nail this one down. We know there are no good guys in the Warhammer universe. We, we also know. know that externally, as far as the hobby is concerned, the Space Marines are essentially the good guys, only because they're the poster childs. That's not the mm. question here. So, Yeah, no, we're talking the moral grayness of if you were making <laughs> all the factions top to bottom, it's like, where do you fall? And at the very bottom, we are 100% putting chaos and demons because that is just Aww. a non-consensual No, pilot. I disagree. <laughs> I'm sorry. Drew Carrier at the bottom. 
Okay, that's a that, that, that's a debate. pile of no. It's so <laughs> funny because we we're already at a disagreement because I would totally put the Tyranids. It's just this hung, hungry-based thing that's going to eat everything. No, I guess the Tyranids are neutral morally neutral. I guess they're you're pure. right. I'm they're, already they're so, I'm already swinging so from my from my <laughs> opinions on things. <laughs> I love that we already have a disagreement. Yeah, but as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> I despise the Drukari, but my morally, right? I mean, the worst sure. thing that can happen to you if you're a denizen of the Warhammer Galaxy is to be captured by Drukari alive. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That, that's but pretty no, bad. There's nastiness in the you know realms of chaos. I I don't imagine your soul being torn apart for eons is pleasant. No, <laughs> I feel like. I feel like the the reason why I'd say the Drukari are like lower than Chaos, and even the the most Drukari like Chaos with the Slanesh, is because the uh, implication to me seems to be that once your soul has been you know tortured and whatnot in there for long enough, you might become a demon, in which case you're no longer being all you know tortured. Whereas the Drukari sure. is going to keep you alive and turn you into moaning furniture after a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that sounds pretty bad. It holds up. That'll be the follow up episode: Drukari versus demons. Who's the greater evil? <laughs> Who's worse? <laughs> anyway, so the real question, though, is who is at the top? And even if they are at the top, does that still come into the the scale of good? <laughs> so, no. <laughs> well, maybe. Well, I mean, that's like, I know I've, I've watched some YouTubers who put out their videos about, you know, Warhammer and stuff. And the thing, as Ulrich said earlier, one of the cool things about Warhammer is that there kind of is no good guy, that everyone is a flavor or shade or amount of evil. And evil and good are extremely relative concepts. So mm -hmm. that's the only reason I think, I mean, that's the most important reason why we can have this discussion, because is that really true? I mean, I, I think it is like on the surface, but, you know, we're here to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, and it gets into things like, some things I think that are good to think about are like the alignment system from Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. uh, where we think of things like lawful good and lawful good people can often be total assholes and do things that Crusaders. externally you'd be like, that's that's really bad. But if yep. it's if it's according to the rules <laughs> of, you know, wherever whatever nation it is or whatever God it is, then then that might be justifiable. Uh, and some things like that might apply to, <laughs> to things like the Space Marines. Yeah, I mean that's where we get lawful stupid for a reason. <laughs> so I guess I'll I'll kick us off by saying I feel like the first and the most obvious point, whether we end up using it as the the go to or overcoming it, is one specific branch of the Space Marines, which is the Salamanders. Mm -hmm. I feel like if there's any Space Marine chapter or you know flavor that can possibly take the mantle of we are actually good people and the good guys and it would be the salamanders interesting you bring up salamanders because i was in a discussion with someone on twitter that argued that they were the worst because they burned people alive as their go-to <laughs> and how can you be the good guys if you're burning people and i argued promethium burned so hot it wouldn't really feel and they're kind of they're um, burning people alive also they not the actions of a good person also, comparatively, they mm. burn people alive only when they really have to. They're less likely to burn people alive than, you know, the Adeptus Sororitas, for instance. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think they're just, they're not just going down the street <laughs> burning people willy-nilly, right? There's <laughs> something that's hopefully justified it. But, well, it's funny you went straight to, to the chapter, right? Because I was thinking about this for a while, and and I think it's it's a multifaceted answer because it's a multifaceted 
multifaceted question, right? You have Space Marines as like an entity, like the 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 institutions of Space Marines, but then you also have chapters, and you also have individuals, and it's like sometimes that can differ depending on what we're talking about. You know, mm, that's fair. It sounds yeah. like. Sorry, it sounds like you're immediately jumping to what it really is the scope of the question, which I love those kind of questions. <laughs> so, like, I guess in this case, before we move forward, we should define because we've said it's an in-universe question. So what constitutes a the good guys in this in this galaxy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, who that's wants, a, that's you want to take that one. That's a good question. Yeah, I mean, typically when we look at that question, it's from the perspective of humanity, right? That's the the sort of the central, usually, not always, as I'm sure Bert is going to bring up, uh, but usually oh. stories in Warhammer are are human central. And that and that is for a couple of reasons. Obviously, we're we're most able to uh, you know understand human emotions when we read about them and human characters, but oh also <laughs> right. Most of us at least. <laughs> But also because within within the universe, within the sort of the great battle against chaos, humans are the linchpin. Humans are going to decide does the entire universe fall or not. So there is a there is a, a sense of weight upon humanity and the sort of the outlook of humans, even you know, broadly within Warhammer 40k. Yeah, and that's what I think is so interesting to me about Space Marines is I totally agree with what you're saying, right? Humanity. But at the same point, most of at least my experience of the material that, you know, the stories and stuff, Space Marines actually don't give a fuck about humanity. They care about <laughs> the Imperium. And to me, mm-hmm. there's a very big distinction between the two because because they are like um, transhuman every time, for the most part, I should say, majority of the time. Space Marines look down on humans. They're just like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you're such a waste of time. Like, can you please move? Because I need to go like win this thing. <laughs> I mean, and... that's... Sorry, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, that's that's literally the basis of the the uh, the, the massacre in False Gods that leads to the, a big divide between the Astartes and humanity. The idea that Astartes will just bulldoze and brutalize mortals when mm-hmm. it suits them. I even just recently, I read... Uh, I was at a Warhammer shop getting uh, – uh, I was going to get some new models, but I didn't have them. So I bought a book for my lady. I don't remember what the book's called. It's like Sepulchrum or something like that. Uh, but they were handing out a free like Black Library celebration book that contains a bunch of short stories in it. And I read this one called Champions All that's about a Black Templar champion and a hmm. Repentia going up against a oh going up against a warlord orc. And – it was very good little short story, but it was funny that one of the first major things is that the that stuck out to me is that the Templars like I didn't expect to be fighting alongside a mortal. So <laughs> that, the use of that word is, you know, telling. Yeah, yeah and part I, of oh well, I was going to say, and part of part of the I think also the difficulty of of assigning sort of a, a moral compass to the Space Marines is because they are about as alien as you can get from humanity without yeah. w- while still being humans. I mean, mm-hmm. for, you know, let, let's, let's recap for, the, for those at home who, who may I, not. Who, yeah. Uh, who sorry, may I'm not just saying that the Admech are pretty much that, but oh, I get what yes. you <laughs> Yeah. 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 I was going to say they still look human in shape, but then I started thinking about it. No, humans don't have that many limbs. Yeah. Although at least the, the standard uh, Adeptus Mechanicus uh, tech priest or whatever you want to, whatever you might call it, has spent more time being human than yeah. a space marine. That's because space That's marines true. again for for those for those of home who might not be super familiar with them. Uh, space marines are essentially they are children 
that are sometimes given freely, other times literally ripped away from their parents or their homes, uh, indoctrinated and put through all sorts of crazy, essentially torture, and then turned into this beyond human uh, war, organic war machine to go and fight at the behest of the emperor and some other people sometimes. Um, They're child yeah. soldiers. Let's 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 call a horse a horse. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. One hundred child soldiers. <laughs> yeah, and they're and they're indoctrinated via all of these like hypnotic stuff to immediately follow commands and immediately know tactics and a lot of them don't really do a lot of thinking for themselves. Um obviously there are characters that stick out from the rest, but um but yeah, they're they're very inhuman. And is it really hard to blame them for feeling like essentially a separate species when they have upwards of 13 extra organs, they can spit acid, and they live for thousands of years? Yeah, for sure. There's also something to be said to be, you know, taking them at prepubescent and just kind of freezing them in that time and what that does to the psychology. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't say freezing. Different chapters, initiation rituals, and their neophyte processes, I feel like, twist them in different directions. But You're still adopted at that age, and then, you know, any life you would have had, any normal, as much as normal exists in 40k development, (laughs) is radically altered from that point. Okay, so hold on. If we get back to the question of what constitutes the good guys, I feel like one of the first things we were touching on is that... So good guys, right, I think good guys is a relative kind of idea. I mean, there's always the classic adage that, you know, all the best villains are the heroes of their own story. Mm -hmm. And so there was an idea of, well, 40K is largely told from humanity's perspective. So naturally, then the good guys would be the ones who are most indicative of our perspective within that uh, framework, as in the heroes of humanity. You could also argue though that a lot of times right the the best villains are also ones who are really relatable or ones you mm-hmm. can really understand so just because something is similar to us or is also our own perspective doesn't inherently make someone the good guys i mean just reading uh fulgrim right now there's a, a light idea that the eldar even seem like the good guys for as few chapters as they show up because they're the only ones who are like are aware that the heresy is coming so yeah and, and actively try to stop it yeah yeah so I guess that's while that might be part of it, I feel like that doesn't give us a linchpin yet for for our uh, our definition. And yes, I'm kind of a semantic bitch sometimes. So somebody needs to be. The thing that I think is interesting is is you know if we're defining good at least by a standard of um, you know with, internally within their faction, right? And we have these space marines that have basically exalted, right? When 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 other humans encounter them, it's kind of uh, this awe, right? Because it's you know, unlike in the game where we see space marines all the time, that's actually a rare occurrence that you would actually see them, you know, in your day to day life. But well, angels I, for a reason. <laughs> yeah, angels. And so like that, again, adds this like separation between them and and but they're the angels of death. Right. And so what I always find interesting is seeing the reactions of humans in a story when they encounter space marines in the beginning and then juxtaposing that by the end of the story, if there are even any humans still alive. <laughs> yeah. And, and the idea is like, cool, like, what do they, how do they view them when they first arrive? How do they view them when they leave? 
and again, for the most of the time, most of the stories that I've read, it's always either like a a uh, man. I guess we we needed them, but also they like murdered all of us, or they let all of us die, <laughs> or it's straight up like hatred for Space Marines because of the actions that the Space Marines are willing to take because of that like separation between them and what they call like mortals, humans, right? So mm. there's this this again this interesting thing of like do they they do they serve a potentially good purpose? You know, within the universe, yes. Are they themselves good? Ah, it's like, I don't know. It's like they're almost Uh just a tool. And if they're a tool, it's how they're being wielded, you know? Yeah. And it's funny because by that logic, I feel like you could almost say that really the Imperial Guard are a better uh, prospect as the good guys from a humanity perspective. Since the Imperial Guard are in a lot of ways the first and last line of defense, they are regular everyday people. And while there are plenty of corrupt politicians and lords and commissars who are problematic and and whatnot. The actual straight-up guard could be seen as much more of a, you know, good guy faction, necessarily, at least from a humanistic uh, perspective. Yeah, and then you look at Krieg and your argument kind of withers. That's why I said could. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's always variation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) They beat a man to death with a shovel. That is not the action of a hero. <laughs> so let's let's take a moment then, if you if you'll indulge me. It, when people say things like everyone in 40k is a flavor of evil, what I feel like is happening with that statement is we're taking the morality of our world, which is the only world we have that we know about really, and we are using it to look at these fictional people because as we said. You know, within their universe, the good guy is basically whoever is on your side, because that's kind of how, you know, morality works. So we're looking at something more like a, hey, if part of the fun of this is that everyone is a villain, that's because they're all a villain from our perspective. So, so another way to look at it is what faction is the closest to real our world morality, right? Which is why I started off with the salamanders idea. I'm not saying this is the right answer, but that is the mm-hmm. that is one of another argument for what makes good guys. Yeah, yeah, being being yeah, I think being selfless, uh, looking out for others, putting others above yourself. For yeah, sure, that's that. Those those are de- definitely like classical uh, things you would as- ascribe to a hero or a good guy for sure. Yeah, like I, I'm gonna get really cliche here, but literally when I think of of a hero in the real world, I have my personal heroes. When I think of like a good guy or hero in the real world, I, I go to firefighters first because they don't mm-hmm. have the same problem things to think about as say like law enforcement do. And you know, running into burning buildings is kind of hard to to argue against. And so when I think about like, all right, people who are selflessly uh, in service to save other people, then I'm not sure if Space Marines fit that mold necessarily. But I can think I would of say you just gave Space Marines like a big point boost there. Yeah. Well, especially salamanders, that's what I'm saying, because their whole thing is that they actually seem to care about mortals more than other chapters. Whereas... You still violate the Geneva Convention with the fire. <laughs> Fair enough, but is the Geneva Convention really our litmus test for morality here? <laughs> well, it's a universe of war, so it kind of applies. And uh, And one more argument, while it's on my head, could be that we could look at the state of the galaxy, right? The the It is literally a galaxy at war, and we think about... Mm-hmm. Okay, sometimes good guys are the ones who can make the the hard decisions and who are sacrificed mm-hmm. themselves to for the betterment of of the whole. 
and you know this can be problematic in some cases, but still if we're looking at something like on the whole, then we can look at, say, the on the surface, very evil inquisitors because, you know, you know, exterminatus and whatnot. But if what they're doing, especially certain ones is heading towards more stabilization, then Mm -hmm. that could easily be an argument. Or as I said, the Eldar who are trying to more actively than most races eliminate a significant amount of chaos, Mm -hmm. then that's a very powerful argument in their, in their favor. So yeah, or it's, the Grey Knights. It's, it's definitely Sorry. complicated. <laughs> it's yeah. it's well, definitely complicated with the morality, yeah, because every I don't think as we kind of said, I don't think any faction is purely good or well, I mean, like we said, some are purely evil, <laughs> but mostly mostly <laughs> yeah. them are, are purely good. Which yeah, it does make it hard to to determine who is who are the who are the true heroes or or even are there. Yeah. yeah well, it's, like the I think the Grey Knights are an interesting example because we all know that they have a scorched earth policy, so that seems very evil. But they probably do more to quote unquote destroy evil than most other groups of entities. Mm-hmm. So is the destruction of evil inherently good? Or can you be primarily a destroyer of evil and still be evil yourself? I mean, the answer to that seems to me to be an obvious yes, but I still feel like it's a question worth raising. So, yeah. yeah, and the thing is, I think you 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 almost kind of like convinced me. It's weird. So I would say if if we if we were looking at it from our world morality, I still lean with no. I do not think Space Marines are the good guys because they break too many things that we conventionally think as good. Right now, do I think that a Space Marine is capable of heroics and being good and, and mm-hmm. on an individual perspective? Or uh, instance, yes, of course, I can I can get behind that statement, right? But I still think like there's global issues with the organization known as Space Marines. But if you're if you're talking about, and which is I think the 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 point in which we're trying to frame this of good as defined within you know the universe in which this takes place, it's almost like good equals like survivability, not just by the unit, but like the continuation of your faction, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Somebody is good if they're helping preserve that which they are fighting for. And if that's the case, then like, oh, like, yeah, I mean, they kind of are from that standpoint, because without them, you know, I mean, I still think that the Imperial Guard is more good because they are as a whole are making these sacrifices and fighting on a much larger scale. Mm-hmm. We think about how many like engagements engagements are one with the help of because of the help of space marines it's like fuck man then yeah maybe they are good because without them this entire thing would collapse but mm. now if i'm using this argument i'm like well then <laughs> tyranids are like the most good because like everything <laughs> they're doing is for their own survival and i can still kind of see that chaos is at the bottom because they kind of fuck each other over all the time so this is <laughs> really throwing me for a loop so that so that it's funny because that sounds like an argument towards uh inner faction cohesion Ooh. and that that like the amount of interfaction cohesion equals an amount of goodness, which is not something I ever thought about, but it's an interesting idea to play with. In which case, yeah, yeah Tyranids, I think, own interfaction cohesion. Although, yeah, oddly I mean, enough, definitely. What about Tau? I mean, if we're going to talk interfaction cohesion. Yeah, but the Tau got Orwellian stuff going on there. So even considering implied that. Implied Orwellian. Yeah. Oh, no, it's not implied anymore. I forget. Yeah, it ain't implied anymore. Of, not since Farsight showed up. So. Yeah, they, they kind of. There's books about that one that 100%. No, no. It, it's mind control. <laughs> it's mind control. But yeah, it does yeah. create an interesting question about orcs, in my opinion, because orcs are both extremely 
bad at inner cohesion and also extremely good at inner cohesion, like simultaneously, because conflict internally is for the betterment of their species. They grow bigger through conflict. They literally require conflict as sustenance. So them fighting each other is helping their survival. So Yeah, but let's take a factor of detriment to others' survival, which immediately takes orcs out because... If orcs are doing good, everyone else is sucking. Same thing with Tyranids. If Tyranids are doing well, that sucks for everybody else. But to be fair, that also takes humans pretty out of the picture since their entire motivation is kill anything not human. Right. Well, and they, anything not human is trying to kill them, so that's a give-take. Yeah, but, right, I, but I, feel like, I feel like that argument pushes Eldar again really far forward since they're like the only race that seems to be like, oh, yeah, you know, we still want we want to be on top again, but we're not really interested in genociding everyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah and they're, they're better than and, and talking about inter in, interfaction uh, fighting, humans are really bad because they're always killing each other. Even, even I mean, <laughs> just like, but again, it's it's a, now we're looking at a different metric than we were talking about before. Because yeah, an an inquisitor calling down exterminatus, killing a couple billion people on a planet to, in theory, help save trillions more. Uh, that is an argument. Uh, but then again, yeah, the humans. Every every human faction goes around killing other humans. <laughs> True enough. Yeah, yeah even so space marines kill other question, space marines on accident. Yep, or on purpose. Yep. Not yeah. much of an accident when accident. you get like the when you get like the Iron Hands who really seem to hate everyone else that aren't Iron Hands. Because so. everyone's mean to the Iron Hands. <laughs> <laughs> but big question here, though. Let's talk, is should the Imperium exist? Would the universe be better if there wasn't an Imperium? At what point? Like ever? Well, no, like, let's say the Imperium fell or collapsed or finally just stopped existing because the cornerstone of Space Marines are holding up the Imperium and keeping the Imperium going. So, so is the is Imperium, the Imperium something Imperium... worth maintaining? Exactly. And that's kind that's of a tricky a one because on the one hand, humanity is kind of collectively screwed if it's thrown to its own, you know, devices. It's only really holding on yeah. because they're kind of semi-united. But on the other hand, the Imperium is a fascist theocracy that is just terribly run and destructive as hell by the way i haven't read any of the direct books about this but that was always my understanding of why uh robuate guillemin hasn't for the lack of a better term stomped on the ecclesiarchy because he recognizes that the ecclesiarchy and the imperial creed is basically the only thing keeping humanity together at this point in the 41st millennium <laughs> yeah by, by now by now he doesn't want another civil war it. But there's the other thing. Ultramar, as an empire, very good, very functional, nice life expectancy. You live to 40. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So. So, Yeah. So are are humans good for the universe? That's. uh... Well, the first question there, I think, is what do we all think would happen if, say, let's 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 go something simple. We know that uh, the uh, that chaos can invade the soul system. It, it happened at the end of the, the Terran crusade. Mm-hmm. Let's say there was a big event and Terra got pulled into the warp is gone. It oh, maybe boy. even destroyed just Terra's gone in like a day. What is the chain of events that occurs afterwards? Oh, that's a big one. Fuck. It's basically old night 2.0 because you lose the Astronomicon. With the thing that yeah. connects everybody. Wow, yeah, you're right. Not just the Astronomicon, yeah, so, but also the entire government structure. Like, yeah. all gone. Yeah, well, so the it, 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 you uh, get, the more less organized it becomes. But, yeah. Hmm. 
but yeah, but the the Astronomicon is is the big thing because not only not only do you have Chaos is free to rampage and show up anywhere and and taint and take over anybody, but you also have no no widespread communication or reliable travel. So yeah, humanity is screwed completely in that in that case. Yeah, it goes back to old night. A bunch of little pockets holding on for dear life. Some doing better than others. Some dying horribly. Some becoming monsters. Someone needs to write that. I want to read that. That sounds interesting. <laughs> but it's also because think about what factions still are perfectly capable of operating as they are without something like the Astronomicon. The Orcs don't require that to travel. The Tyrannids don't really use fashion like travel. The Eldar still use their webways, so they're all going to be able to function just mm. the same. What happens to the Eldar, though, when the Chaos can focus all their wrath on them? But is that what's going to happen? That's why I'm curious, because I feel like Chaos, the way we understand Chaos is they love feeding on humanity. Yes, mm -hmm. like we had, you know, Slash born from the Eldar, but yeah, I feel like it's implied and even explicit in some cases that something about human emotions specifically is extremely appealing it's to, to chaos. Something their psychic resonance. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like... Chaos space. Like, yeah, so I feel like you get a lot more a chaos empires, for lack of a better term, or chaos... Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, so I think chaos becomes supercharged and the Tau are only holding on by a toenail. I think they just get wiped off the board. I don't think so, because I don't think anyone I, focuses I think... on the Tau. That's their saving grace, is that no one focus fires them. Yeah, the only, yeah the only because the implication would... is if anyone did, they'd be wiped away. Yeah, the only thing L that Lepert... I think would save the Tau in that is the fact that they have no souls when it comes to, like, the warp. <laughs> so maybe they can, <laughs> maybe chaos they can hide... <laughs> because they don't have a real big presence. But yeah, I mean, it, I don't think it would take much to... In this scenario, I don't think it would take much to wipe them off. Which is to say that in most scenarios, I don't think it's going to take much to wipe them off. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that's their biggest saving grace is that no one considers them a large enough threat to send their entire force into essentially Tau Empire territory and eliminate them. So Tau are basically kind of left to their own devices I feel like what's more going to happen is chaos will take much greater foothold, but that doesn't, but chaos doesn't have an interest in like establishing, uh, you know, large concentrations of power. Chaos is internally yeah. fights itself like yeah. a lot. So they're not going to have like a co a concert effort to deal with Tyranids, for instance. So you've got the second mm -hmm. Tyranid high fleet comes in without humanity to focus it down what's going to stop them <laughs> or yeah there, there's there's yeah there's two there's two issues with with chaos becoming becoming sort of a, a threat beyond the humans and that number one uh yeah number one they they are just as much interested in fighting amongst themselves as they're fighting others and they will they will absolutely be stalled for a very long time squabbling over things and uh you know putting their their petty rivalries into into effect uh but also they're they're in no rush. They don't care. Like they're if they were suddenly able to pop out of you know the warp anywhere they wanted, they would definitely you know ravage human worlds. But they would spend eons transforming humans into yeah into torturing them and turning them into mutants and doing all sorts of horrible things before they even considered going out looking at other races in the galaxy. Yeah, literally the only thing I could think of that would unite them because we have established that the the chaos gods. Are engaging in the great game and they only give the material mm -hmm. realm the smallest amount of attention the only reason they teamed up for the horus heresy is because the supposedly they recognize the actual threat that the emperor and the great crusade 
was to them in some form. And again, that's speculation and conjecture, and there's nothing hard about that. But we could argue that among all the other factions, what factions are a big enough danger to cause a potential uh, undivided chaos treaty? And I can only think of two, really, which is the Tyranids, because they will eliminate all life from the galaxy. Without life, the 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 chaos don't have anything to feed off of mm. and the necron because we see that the necron seem to have this ability to mm. eliminate or close off access to the warp they yeah necrons are yeah. immune to chaos they are immune to tyranids and they can hunker down for however long it takes and then come back yeah they could wait them out again but we <laughs> we saw you know like during the uh Dark Days Imperium, orcs got around to almost universe-breaking strength See? until the Emperor put the smack down on Ulanor and broke mm. them there. And that's a huge... That was actually my next about. point, was that we know that humanity is the most populous... Well, not the most populous, because we know that the Tyranids and the orcs are the most populous, and the Tyranids are extragalactic, and the orcs are you know very separated. But the fact is that the orcs breed extremely fast. They don't require the warp to get around without humanity giving like strong defenses i'm not saying that orcs are going to take over the galaxy necessarily because again they're going to fight inside but i feel like they're just going to take more of the galaxy and you're going to have all those other factions still around because orcs will never do a concentrated effort to eliminate a single race that's not how they operate but they're going to spread so far and you don't have humans doing exterminatus to them eventually because you've got the complete breakdown of the imperium so Really, you just have a galaxy that is looks not much different, except it's just got a lot more orcs and a lot less humans, as far as I can tell. I don't know. The orc, like, if you, the whole backstory, the orc war boss that was leading the wall at the time the emperor showed up almost killed the emperor. They were so powerful. So, similar situations, more fighting. What are orcs going to look like? Are they reaching beast level again? But without a common foe <laughs> to solidify a wah, yeah, yeah. Do, does anybody rise above the the pack and drive them on to to greater orc evolution and fighting ability? Uh, that's that's a good question. I mean, even with Gazcool around, right? Like the prophet of Gork and Mork, I still imagine that at best you're going to have a massive, essentially rolling wah that's traveling through the galaxy looking for more stuff to kill, but going slowly enough that by the time it like messes up one area and moves on, that things like Chaos or Eldar or Necron can like take over leftover planets, and then you just basically got a wad that's just going in a circle around the galaxy almost indefinitely. Until it collapses in, right? Yeah, until yeah. it eventually collapses inward, which it's bound to eventually, even with someone like Gazkul leading it. Well, it's it's funny as we we talked a lot about this what if stuff, and it's like every time these cases were being made, I was like, wow, this is one, this is really interesting. I'd love to see this what if like universe. Two, it just went back to the the point that I think we started from, which is like space marines. Like in all these scenarios, I'm like, yeah, like even with all these things, the only thing that could probably even at, <laughs> have a chance at stopping this from the Imperium side is with the help of space marines. So like they are crucial to its success, and if so, it's like. I I get why you would say in universe they would are good for the Imperium. I just there's so many times though where Space Marines do stuff where I'm like ah like just the very the very fact that they are corruptible. I mean I guess humans are too, but like the, to the level in which um, 
you know, they are such a tool that can just, I mean, their sole purpose is war, right? And so because yeah. of that, if, if, if they, it's like they balance on this edge where it's like if they are just pointed in the wrong direction, so much destruction can happen, <laughs> even, <laughs> even when it's like, oops, sorry, we didn't mean to send you there. But like, that's the part that's like, it's like, it's, it's just so complex to me. It's like, are they, as a tool, are they good? Are they in themselves make good decisions? Like, I don't know. We're seeing a little bit of a, a change, with, and I think some chapters rise above others uh, more so, but yeah. it's just such an interesting idea to think that, like, they are good, because if they are good, then, like, what does that say about the standard of good? I don't know. It's just so, well, it's I such a, a fucking weird question. Well, I have another question about that. So I've been, I've been rewatching crash course world history by the by john green and and the crash course team and he, he asked this question a few times when he's talking about world history which is sorry about that uh he asked this question a few times in world history about what is like what is a good thing for the world like he talks about uh a basic argument of agriculture versus hunter gatherer and you know agriculture gives us things like cities and civilization quote unquote and eventually these are things like the internet but supposedly you know, less free time and then a hunter-gatherer kind of civilization. It definitely is worse for the environment on the planet. So, like, what are what is having cities and civilization a good thing because it's good for humans, or is it a bad thing because it's seemingly bad for the planet? So, what is the state of the galaxy that's a good thing? I mean, you could argue that if you had theoretically a galaxy with nothing but orcs, like chaos is gone, tyranids are gone, all of them are gone. Just orcs. And since orcs are the species that are most, for lack of a better term, in paradise in hmm. the 40k world because they love war, they've essentially – that would be a situation that is orc heaven because they sure. just fight each other for eternity and there's nothing that gets in the way of them fighting each other. Now, from our perspective, that sounds like a hellscape because it's just war <laughs> everywhere. But for the people – for the beings living there, it would be heaven. You get what I mean? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's – do the reverse question. <laughs> what does the universe look like if the Imperium continue? If the Imperium succeeds, you know, it pushes back, it wipes out the Tau, it drives off the orcs, it is successful. Can it reach a point that it is not a hellscape? And is that hellscape better overall? I want to say right off the bat, I think if we're talking about the Imperium as it is now, with Robiote Guillemin at its head. I think if we have a theoretical situation where humanity can push off all its foes, eliminate the Xenos, essentially, and the chaos, or at least mitigate them to a, a enough point, then Gielman will start shifting. I would theorize Gielman would start shifting his priorities to changing the nature of the Imperium after he has secured it. He's basically said as much when he yeah. came out of his quote-unquote conversation with the Emperor. So we'd eventually get a galaxy that looks a lot more like a galaxy-sized version of the Ultramar, uh, you know, Emperor Secunda, or whatever it's called. So Yeah, and is that better for the universe? I mean, if we're using humans as the baseline, I'd argue yes, because it beats the hell out of, you know, hiding on my little rock while demons make flesh suits out of my friends. <laughs> Although yeah, you could yeah. also argue that same argument, I think, would be if the Tau took over, because mm -hmm. humans that are part of the Tau Empire live a not terrible life when you get right down to it. Sure, they're stuck into a, you know, a caste system, and that can come down to your own personal opinions on, you know, uh, I guess, 
individual purpose. But from what we can tell, yeah, their their actual standard of living is much better than humans in the Imperium. Yeah, compared. So to are the Tau the good guys the, then? Well, is I that think is that, that, that we are takeaway for another time? Uh, <laughs> Farside Enclave, I think, has the the best uh, case in this for like the good guys in this universe. But it's interesting because in this in this version that you're talking about, where if they if they wipe off, you know, they they're able to defeat chaos, they they stop all these other threats. Uh, yeah, it's like is it a version where humanity could like excel more than what the Imperium is right now? Yes, right? Because I think that's kind of what the Emperor's original plan was. But it's essentially making the Space Marines obsolete. So like they're fighting in theory towards a a universe where they are no longer needed, which we've seen before. <laughs> well I would See, I would argue the question that can it actually exist. Because well, I'd I, argue... I would argue that the, the the important thing there is the fact that again, Guillemin Right. Him specifically. I know he's he's like the Boy Scout of Warhammer. And so it's easy to make yeah. fun of him. But one of his most famous quotes is him talking to his space Marines and saying how when the war is done, they are more than warriors. They will be the leaders and the artisans and the politicians. And they are exemplars of more than just warfare. So I feel like in his Imperium, not we eventually move towards a you know, on a long enough time scale. We move towards a, a span of time where everyone's a space Marine. <laughs> essentially yeah and i mean i argue that as much as a beautiful ideal as that is i don't know if you'd ever reach a point that space marines wouldn't have to go put down insurrections or rebellions and that kind of circles back to so we've reached you know this utopia but it's still kind of a fascist utopia and is that better if you I mean, can't leave the imperium without threat of violence is it sure. really that good and that's I mean, you're, you're asking the other nature. Side, you're asking about the nature of paradise at that point, which is the idea yeah. of like, you know, is it worth leaving or is paradise worth living in if I'm not allowed to leave? <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of the other side of space Marines is, well, yes, they are defending the Imperium from all these terrible, horrible things. They also tend to show up if your world like I don't want to pay tithes to terror anymore. They take all my food and never show up. And then some space marines show up and those good old salamanders with their flamers. You get like, yeah. okay, these are the hammers of this horrible system. Can I ask I want to ask a very blunt but also very vague question, and I'm I'll, I'll totally understand if, if none of you have an answer for me. Do you I I myself am an existentialist. I believe that nothing in our reality has inherent value or worth and that we as individuals determine what is worth, what is meaning and, and, and such like that. So I decide what is good within my own perception of reality. I decide what is worthwhile and meaningful. So for me, it's very easy to be like, well, that's there's no such thing really as an objective good guys because of that. But that's because I'm coming from a very specific philosophy. So I don't know if you three have ever like taken a moment to try to for like a term define what your worldview is but if you have i would love to hear it at this point <laughs> who wants to go first <laughs> yeah, i got i got talking uh, dogs i'm gonna go here first. let's let's go let's go bird yeah, first <laughs> oh no, he, he he's got he's got dogs uh i'll, oh. I'll, I'll go first Never so mind. um yeah i it, it it is a it is a difficult question and yeah I think that it's definitely up to each person based on your your philosophy your religion how you were raised all sorts of things that that build up to that answer um, for my m me personally uh, based on all of those things uh, I do I, I do think there is objective good and the way the way that I and my family and my traditions look at it is uh, we 
we humans, the, the best thing that we can do is to work toward making the world a better place. So it's a little bit, so then it becomes a little bit utilitarian because, okay, well, what, what is the best way to do that? Does this, does this action, does this speech, does, you know, whatever it might be, does that help fulfill that goal? Um, and then it, and then it be, just becomes more and more questions. <laughs> but yes, I, I, I do believe there is objective good when it comes to uh, humans and, and our planet. Okay. Ulrich? Yeah. I share a similar philosophy that I've more kind of adopted in workshopping, but do the choice that does the most good. And good is determined by how it helps people. And you kind of, you can work around from there, but that is the baseline of determining good, bad, otherwise. Yeah, which I believe is utilitarianism, I think is what you're discussing. But anyway, continue. And that's that's basically it. It's a very vague one I very I waffle nihilism and a bunch of other varying philosophies, but it all comes down to, is this good? Is what I'm doing good? Does it hurt somebody? Does it help somebody? And that's ultimately how the best I can define it is, is this overall a beneficiary act? Your use of the word overall, though, I think adds to the whole utilitarianism of it, because it sounds like you weigh it on this kind of like uh, the scale of all in all, does the scale come out with a more positive effect than a negative effect, which, okay. Bert, do you have an answer for us? Yeah, so it's weird. I come from a very weird, weird... I got a lot of conflicting <laughs> theologies, I guess, going on in my head. And so it's like I try to make sense of them all at the same time, right? Came up with a very in a very um, uh, religious upbringing so there's like all of that that's that's there but then when you actually break that down you're like oh well some of this is really like useful and good and then some of this is like uh i, I don't know about this we used to just <laughs> make cases for things and then it's just it's, it's complex right but i think that's that's the there is a level where i i i, I struggle with the concept of truth is relative while at the same point understanding that as long as everyone is doing no harm to themselves or others around them, I guess more more so to those around them, then then that's the key, right? Because I guess that when I say that, like I don't think that truth is relative because it's like there. I think there are opposing views, and then I think there's a point where like those opposing views, if they can live, even though they're conflicting, if they can live in harmony with each other, right? Then then that I, then it works, right? But if sometimes those conflicting views lead to a point where like, oh, like, for example, right? This is a super, super broad concept, right? But like, cool, to me, like truth, like, or, or it's, it's the truth is like, you shouldn't just like murder people because murdering is bad. Like that, that is, that is a thing, right? And if somebody else's thing is like, no, I think murdering is totally fine, right? Those two things cannot live in, in, in unison <laughs> with each other. Like they are, they will inherently be at conflict, right? Um, Someone's and gonna so, get stabbed. Yeah, and so and I can't say. Well, it's relative to you. It's relative to me. It's like no, I think for certain <laughs> things, like I, I, I mean, and maybe I'm just declaring it. Like certain things, I'm like no, like this, this seems black and this is black and white to me. But then there are other things where I'm like, no, I don't know if this is this is this is very gray. Like you can't say certain things, especially when it comes to like if you're not harming anyone, then I can't make that statement because. Hey man, like love whoever you want to love. Like I can't make that. Like I can't draw that line, right? Like that. That to me is more. That is more relative because it's for each person, right? Um, so it's weird because I have these things where I have these very, very like strong feelings of 
of and morality is the wrong word, but like a, a feeling of like no, 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 like injustice. Like if this is like this is wrong, and this is wrong because like we should just assume that this is like this is not, this is a duh thing. But then there's other things. I'm like, dude, man, like you're you're getting way too aggressive with your views on stuff. So it's a really weird thing where if we can live in harmony, and harmony doesn't necessarily mean that we all have to believe the same thing. We mm. just cannot actively be working to just tear down everyone else's. Like everyone can live in their own spheres, which is relative. But at the same point, it's like there are certain truths that we are gonna like hold to the standard of. Yeah, yeah, but like we don't cross this line. So it's really, it's really messed up. And so like I can see that, and like because I'll have internal conflicts with myself sometimes, where I'm like, no, 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 this thing that I thought was a like a black and white truth. And like, as soon as you start to like talk to more people and you open up, you're like, nah, I don't know, man, maybe this is more gray than, than I thought it was. So, so with the, the Imperium of Man, it's, it's weird. Cause there's times where I'm like, ah, fuck dude. Like, again, <laughs> this is, this is in universe, not out of, out of universe. I'm like, they're bad. Like we can all agree with that. Right. But in universe, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, like I, I see these things. And I'm just like, dude, I, I, I don't know, man. Like, how are they not the villains in the story? And then like, it'll be juxtaposed with like something else. I'm like, Ah, I mean, like relative. it's relative because <laughs> yeah. like you're you're having these bugs that are going to literally just murder you, or these orcs that are just going to murder you, or chaos that's just going to murder you. So I'm like, like, this this guy might shoot you for deserting, but this guy's going to turn you into a living chair. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, all yeah. right, well, and if he did shoot that guy, and everyone else was like, yeah, all right, we'll stay fighting. Then I, I don't know, was it worth it? I don't know. So it's it's very complex, and that's what I like about Warhammer in general is that you can look at it not from this kind of like. Uh, you know, putting on this pedestal, but looking at it as like actually enjoying the the complexities of this kind of chaotic, and I mean that not as chaos, but like this ridiculous <laughs> this ridiculous universe. It's basically action figures. It's it's people playing with action figures, but there's rules. That's one hundred percent people playing right? action figures. We just wrote okay, so we wrote epic stories for it. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Without uh, without like putting words in any of your mouths, it sounds to me, and this is just me doing a loose kind of interpretation. Like me, because I'm again because I started this off. I'm an existentialist, and uh, I I I would argue that there is no such thing as uh, good guys objectively, but every faction would have their own set of good guys. Mm. For uh, Scott, his uh, philosophies, the idea that there is such thing as an objective good, um, which I know you said more than that, but I'm just trying to latch onto a few key yeah, points yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, would would obviously to me mean that there can't be any good guys in the Warhammer 40k universe because we all accept that they're all some flavor of evil and because no one are, is ascribing to an objective kind of good, therefore they cannot be. Ulrich, who has this kind of utilitarian weight thing, I feel like would feel the Space Marines are the good guys because all in all they probably do more to benefit the lives of the Imperium than they do to damage it. Because they generally are, you know, the scalpel that keeps like, you know, Failbadon from skinning <laughs> everyone, for instance. And Bert's was the hardest for me to parse, probably. But I, I got, I got the impression that he probably also falls on a not the good guy, but probably would call Space Marines good guys because relative to everything else, like within universe, that's an understandable kind of perspective. So I feel like we have kind of one definite no, one definite yes, and two fluctuating, <laughs> just based on philosophies anyway. And if that's not 40K in a nutshell, <laughs> <laughs> yes, but no. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fair. That's, that's pretty spot on. No, I knew this wasn't going to be a definitive answer because this isn't an easy question. I mean, we kind of, there's like a thousand and one more directions to go. And it's like, well, these guys yeah. are kind of good. But then you look at like the Black Templars or the Carcharodons and you go, yeah, not not so good over there. I love me some Black Templars, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're not nice. Nice is not being good. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah they well, really, that, that's a good... kind of embody the your puny mortals get out of my way mentality. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. If, if I could, if I could throw, throw one more uh, crack grenade into the mix then, especially because <laughs> we're talking about black Templars. If we're going back to the concept of, you know, good for these, like good within, within these factions. I don't know, man, they're pretty religious and pretty zealous. Like to me, it's like, are they the most good because they are, they are worshiping the emperor as a God. You know, what's really to the about other... that part? Like, I took some philosophy in college, and for most of human history, philosophers' definition of what is good is what is godly. So you could argue that while that's not necessarily a common philosophical point today, there is a lot of human history to support the idea that, say, the Adeptus Sororitas and the Black Templars would be the good guys because they're the most pious. <laughs> Indeed. Well, that's just because I'm a Black Templars player, and I gotta throw that out. <laughs> Well, then, counterpoint, as an Ultramarines player, we have the nicest planet. Therefore, we are the best. <laughs> you ask anyone, hey, if you had to live in the 40k universe, where do you want to go? Most of them are saying Ultramar, because it's green still. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm a human, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Black Templars are like, what do you mean by planet? <laughs> <laughs> we got a big ship we rock around the universe in. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's funny because that's one of those things we've made jokes for a long time that Warhammer 40k is one of the most beloved universes that no one who's a fan of wants to actually live in. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely I love those memes. And I, I always use those when I'm talking to people who aren't familiar with the universe. And I'm and, you know, I, and I I let them know there's no such thing as good guys. And you get that thing. And they're like, oh, and here's another thing. <laughs> yeah, nobody actually wants to be there. <laughs> no, it's horrible. There's people chairs. <laughs> <laughs> that is a part of the universe that people are like, yep, that's a thing. Yep. And that's not the worst thing. Cherubs <laughs> are the worst thing. Cherubs are pretty bad, but I still feel like uh, uh, homunculus are, are the worst for me. But <laughs> although Nurgle stuff is also pretty. Yeah, uh, Nurgle's uh, unpleasant. But the yeah. servitors are just kind of an everyday occurrence in the Imperium kind of sets the bar for how bad this universe is. What is funny that personally, and Ulrich knows this personally, like the Borg are one of the most terrifying things for me in science fiction, partially because the idea of your body being uh, maneuvered and moved outside your control, but you're completely aware of it. And the fact that it's never been stated definitively, whether servitors, original personalities are still conscious of what they're doing yeah that that gets me in a very <laughs> deep place so sure, sure yeah anyway i'm not sure where exactly we landed but i feel like the, the point of it is that it's an interesting discussion i i do feel like for me personally because of my my beliefs and maybe i am biased but i feel like orcs that's the galaxy i'm most interested in the one where they just because that's heaven so <laughs> for them <laughs> And if the argument is, what faction, if they win, will then be the most happy with having taken control of the galaxy? Feels like orcs to me. 
There's my concluding thought. Anyone else got one? Yeah. The next door neighbor to the orc universe is screwed. They're just be hanging around. All of a sudden, 10 billion greenskins come boiling over. Well, unless it's Tyranids, though. <laughs> Tyranids would love that, yes, too. <laughs> Tyranids would love to find a galaxy Wait. full of orcs. <laughs> but can Tyranids know happiness? I mean, do they have emotions? No. Yeah. No, not not much. Well, with... a, a few of them, at least. But not, no, not many. Does that count? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would say that I started this by saying the, to the question of are Space Marines good? Uh, I started with no, but maybe yes, and now I'm on yes, but maybe no. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a tipping scale to me. So. Fair, yeah. Hmm. All right, well, we've been talking right, for we'll just like... about an hour, and I feel like we've come to a, if not a conclusion, a natural point. <laughs> there will never yeah. be a conclusion. This is too broad a topic. We, and we need like We need an actual, you know moral philosopher in here to kind of weigh in Ooh, next time <laughs> if you are a moral philosopher and you want to come back and parse this for us let me know i will get you on there you go. Norm- yeah and see normally i love ending these with like i give a conclusion then i give everyone the chance to give their own conclusion but i feel like we don't really like i gave my my jokey conclusion about orcs but there really isn't a conclusion here and honestly i think if there was that would have been disappointing you know so yeah I'm- what do you do conclusions? <laughs> they do vague notions and promises of future <laughs> explanation. <laughs> so instead, yep. I think we'll just uh, we'll wrap the discussion. Uh, if if anyone has any last minute thing they want to say about the actual discussion, now would be the time. Good. Uh, all right. Well, in that case, uh, <laughs> it is at this point that we bring out the special soapbox for our guests. And in order to prevent um, silence while our very polite guests wait for each other, I'm going to first give it to Scott, where you can plug anything you want to plug as thanks for coming and chatting with us. Cool. Well, yes, uh, this was great. Uh, I love the discussion. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know. Space Marines, sometimes they're good, sometimes not so much. Um, But yes, you can find me on all of the social medias at Norse Meat. Uh, That's Norse like Vikings and meat like you put in your mouth. Um, I I stream on Twitch most weekday mornings in Pacific time. Everything from I read ancient mythology. Currently, I'm reading Virgil's Aeneid. Uh, I look at I open toys and look at my toy collection. I do Warhammer stuff. You name it. If it's nerdy, uh, I do it. And then yeah, I wrote a book called Naming Your Little Geek, which is great if you're naming children, but also if you're naming pets or characters or you want to name your car or your Wi-Fi network. Uh, so you can find Naming Your Little Geek everywhere online that books are sold. I'm actually looking to, name a, I'm looking to name a fifth edition druid right now, so maybe I'll Ooh. have to pick your book up. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> anyway, passing the soapbox over to Bert. Uh, yeah, I, I, my closing statement is it's a complicated answer, um, so enjoy it to the extent that you want to. If you want to play your Space Marines as... Uh, you know, the good guys go with it. If you like to lean on uh, the kind of grayness to it, be like, go with that too. As long as you're playing them the way that you want to, that's that's all that matters. Um, and then you can find me at Ninjanomics 101 at all the social things. And I, I, I the only thing I want to plug is this really awesome podcast. Um, that is uh, the one that I do for Mass Effect. Mass Effect Eventum. Uh, we basically do an RPG live play of um, like D and D, but set in the, mute, the Mass Effect universe, and um, it's a lot of fun. Check it out it's with some really talented people. And uh, yeah, if you like Mass Effect, check it. Give it, give it a shot. 
I can't believe we got through the whole discussion without mentioning the idea of how the players actually play their army. That's such an interesting way to think about it that I feel like there's a whole nother like 10 minutes of discussion, but we'll have to wait. So <laughs> we're going to franchise this baby. <laughs> All right, Ulrich. Well, if that's the case, uh, I'd like to, again, thank Bert and Scott for a wonderful conversation. Yeah, thank you for having us. That was, that was great. Thanks. And Ulrich, why don't you take us in the outro? Well, thank you for listening to us debate the ethics of Space Marines for about an hour and then having no conclusion. We hope that you made it to this point and that you will like, share, subscribe, do all the things because, guys, that is the life and death of podcasts is if we get shared more than Conan's newest podcast. And he's got PR, guys. All we got is you. And the God Emperor. But whatever platform that you're currently listening to us on, whether that be SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Spotify, or iHeartRadio, thank you. We are looking into getting onto a few other things. I literally just had a podcasting friend of mine send me a link on how to get onto like the a feed for another plat like Apple or something. I don't know. I haven't looked at it yet. But if there's some other platform that you'd like us to be on that would be easier for you, like maybe you listen to all your other podcasts on this one platform, then you have to go to some other platform for us, and that's really inconvenient. Well, tell us what that platform is, and we'll see if it's something that we can do. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Until next time, may the dice roll in your favor.